Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning. Happy Friday to Bobcat and Rattler fans across San Marcos. You are listening to a Friday's edition of Bobcat Radio here on KTSW. We got another good lineup for you today. I'm your host, Kobe Jackson. With me, my main man on the boards, Justin Brown, and my two lovely co-hosts, Jason Collins and J.P. Flanagan. We got a good lineup for you guys today. We're going to dig in to some Texas State volleyball. We're also going to preview Texas State soccer. And also, we're going to have a live interview from one of James Madison's newspaper writers to preview Texas State Bobcat versus James Madison football. And we're also going to dig into some national sports. There was also a horrifying injury to a famous NFL player that we're going to touch on and preview NFL Sunday schedule. But before we get into that, I'm going to throw it to my man, Jason Collins, from a word from our sponsors. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, scenic views. Scenic views, indeed. Thank you, Jason. Now let's go and just dig right into it. Texas State Volleyball is beginning their conference play today. Or actually, excuse me, their second week of conference play here today at at, uh, uh, Strahan Arena tonight. They will be taking on the James Madison Dukes here this uh, tonight. They got a two-game series this weekend. And, guys, I'm really excited for this matchup. Justin, I'm going to start with you. Uh, you know, this is another conference matchup for the Bobcats. You know, and what like, what do you think is going to happen this week? Well, it's another conference matchup for the Bobcats. And when we talk about conference matchups, what are you going to see? You're going to see Emily DeWalt either drop 47 to 60 assists on this team, and you're going to see Janelle Fitzgerald drop over 20 kills. And that's the duo that Sean Hewitt's been working with. That's why Emily DeWalt has won Sunbelt Setter of the Week three times so far this semester already, this season already. Um, this, you know, volleyball team, with all the youth that they have on the bench, I feel like you know this conference play is showing them some new things, and I'm excited to see what Hewitt can do with this with the remaining of conference play. I I think they have a great chance of going by. The last two meetings were in 2004 and 2018 in San Marcos. The Bobcats came out on top both times. I think if they keep up their momentum and they keep up playing the way they're playing, this should be a victory tonight. No, yeah, this is going to be a very tough Dukes team, though, tonight. Um, in their past four games, they've gone 12 sets to zero. So they're obviously going to try to keep this ball rolling. Um, I think this is where Texas State kind of has an advantage, though. They've gotten to see some bigger opponents um, in that Bobcat Invitational and, th- and then that trip to Hawaii early in the year. So I think uh, this is an advantage for them, just getting to see some higher-level competition. And uh, obviously, this is a good Dukes team, but um, this will be a good test for um, conference play. Yeah, and it's just going to be really exciting to see James Madison, you know, a new team in the Sunbelt Conference. It's yeah. going to be exciting to see how the Dukes will play against the Bobcats because this is, a, you know, a team like how you mentioned, Jason. They've only played them two times before, year 2004 and 2018. So this team hasn't seen each other in a good four years. Yeah. So the, the the entire personnel on these two teams is completely different. So there's a lot of excitement to see what happens this evening. What was that? What was the, fir- what, the year, the first year? What was the first year again? That 2004. Oh my God! I was long time ago. Long time ago. Some was, listeners may have not been born yet. I don't know. <laughs> we were on this planet. I was just starting elementary school when that that year happened. <laughs> so, but yeah, you heard it here. Texas State volleyball has another big time conference matchup against James Madison, who, who JP referred to earlier is four, who has won their four out of um, 
who's won four games straight, all with sweeps 3-0 against uh, Niagara High Point, and then their first compo play against Appalachian State. So you guys can catch... The volleyball game tonight, they'll be playing at 6 o'clock, uh, six o'clock tonight, tonight, so uh, make sure you join out, go to Strahan, and if you're not at home, tune in to KTSW for the call of the game. Then they'll also be playing James Madison Dukes tomorrow at 12 o'clock Central Time as well, so be sure to tune in and go to Strahan to root on for your Bobcats. Now we're going to make a transition into some Texas State soccer. They started off their conference play last week against ULM and they won two games. They won, actually, excuse me. They, uh, or excuse me, they actually... 4-1, 4-1, yeah, <laughs> thank you. So their last conference game was against ULM, and they won 4-1, Justin, as you said. And, I mean, this, this Bobcat soccer team is off to, you know, just a fantastic start, only having two ties with the one loss. I mean, it's it's still a, it's still a great group. So, uh, Jason, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it to you first. Um, you know, this Bobcat team is really, really thriving, being really very successful. Do you think, you know, they could continue that for the rest of the season? Oh, for sure. This, this team has a lot of continuity, as you can see. When you can start off this well, that shows the team chemistry is at a high point. And I think as long as they continue to play together, they'll be fine. Yeah, um, ever since that TCU loss, I think they left a bad taste in their mouth. Um, really just kept the ball rolling. Other, besides that little hiccup at Georgia Southern, um, we, they got the best record in the Sun Belt right now by far. Um, the next best thing is James Madison was, I think, it's six. Three and two, or, or six, two and three. Um, so, really, just keeping it going. A uh, very hot start, and uh, really happy to see where this team's going. Um, yeah, and then some tough conference play ahead. But um, you really like to see the things you're seeing from this team right now. Yeah, Steve Holman in this group. I mean, what is there not to like? If you look in that last matchup, I was producing that game, that game against ULM, and I was shocked to hear within three minutes of the game starting, the Bobcats already scored, and that was Matty Goss. Matty Goss in that game, the sophomore from Garland, Texas, had a hat trick, and that was the first hat trick since 2015 for the Bobcats. Mm-hmm. So you know, this Bobcat soccer team is showing up real big on offense. And when another way that you can talk about this is Juana Plata. Juana Plata, you know, a younger player for this team, she had three assists, uh, two assists in that game, and now she's currently ahead of any other player with assists. So we're seeing that this this offense is really booming. And with Caitlin Christman in the goal, I mean, for Steve Holman, your goalie pop spot is on lock. And I think with conference play, you know, this next game against the Southern Miss Eagles, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an away game. The Bobcats are going to have to learn how to carry this energy off this momentum, you know, based 4-1 win here at home and hope that Steve Holman can continue this. You know, the yeah. first the team beat Rice for the first time in 20 <laughs> yeah. years. This is the best program start we have ever seen for the Bobcat soccer team. So I'm excited to see what they can do in Statesboro. It's yeah. like a trend. It's like a trend that we're seeing here from, you know, Bobcat sports. You know, you know, one sport's doing really, really good and another sport's doing even better. You know, it's it's like a transition into sports. But yeah, uh, so but I'm really looking forward to this soccer team, like y'all said, is doing absolutely you know phenomenal. And like you said, Justin, going into a different, you know, different field and different place different state it brings the you gotta learn to have the mindset of hey we're still we still gotta do our job and we still gotta you know come out with another win yeah their only two losses are away so (laughs) they they, they have to learn how to take their talents on the road with them Mm -hmm. because you every game's not gonna be at home oh no if you can't win on the road it, it's not going to be pretty for you when Sunbelt play comes. Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. So you can check that out. Texas State Bobcats will be playing Southern Miss uh, this Saturday in in Mississippi. 
B and the uh, game will start at 12 o'clock uh, time. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we uh, we're going to have a hopeful news writer for James Madison University. And we're going to go ahead and dig in to some national sports. But don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Bobcat Radio here on KTSW 89.9. I'm your host, Kobe Jackson, once again. And joining me is Justin Brown, Jason Collins and J.B. Flanagan. So we're supposed to be hearing from Madison uh, Rissick in hopefully these next coming minutes, but we're just going to go ahead and just dig right in to some Texas State football. And guys, we have been talking about Texas State football has kind of been kind of having an up and down season. You know, all, all the four games that they played, they've won to, um, they won to, and they've lost to. Uh, all the games that they've been playing this year have been some tough, have been some tough teams. You know, and they've been trying to, you know, get their rhythm, get their, you know, their season back where it needs to be. So, but you know, what better way to do that than this weekend? So they will be opening up their first conference game at against, ironically, James Madison, the James Madison Dukes this Saturday. And guys, um, you know. I know we've been talking about this Bobcat team and how they've been, you know, inconsistent. They're right there when they need to be, but you know, there's just something like a small piece that's missing from this team. So, you know, JP, I'm going to throw it, uh, throw it at you. What do you think this Bobcat team needs to do to get their first conference win this weekend? Um, they need to just continue what was going on at the Houston Christian game. Um, after that Baylor game, it was kind of, kind of just a breath of fresh air to see the offense kind of like click and, and make some movement on the field. Um, so, yeah, they just got to continue that. And I think it, what a good part of this last game was the defense. Um, they had four sacks, and, and that's something that like you couldn't really count on in other games, be it that they were FBS teams. But, um, yeah, there's something you, that we need to see more of on both sides of the ball. Um, Lane Hatcher is doing as advertised. Um, maybe just a little help on the defense, you know, so they can actually keep up with the score. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, like like what you see, and um, hopefully this continues. They just need some consistency. Uh, Jake Spavadol said uh, last week, when it comes to third quarter, they don't, they don't come out and play at the same intensity they do for the first two quarters. They have to come out in the third quarter ready to play, ready to put the foot on the neck. And I think they can do that against James Madison. Yeah, I agree. And mostly, um, to me, I think that, um, you know, James Madison coming into 3-0, it's, you know, really, 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 really tough and everything. So, you know, we're just trying, you know, the Bobcats just need to try, you know, to make sure that, you know, we can, you know, we can settle, they can settle in, you know, and if you look at, you know, James Bradison's record, their record actually kind of speaks for itself. You know, they're three, you know, in, you know, you know, on the season, but they've only had, you know, low scoring, you know, they've held their opponents to a low scoring game, though, obviously big game that was like really stunning was Appalachian State. But now we finally have Madison uh, Rickett on the call for us here today. She is one of the James Madison newspaper writers. Madison, can you hear us? Fine. Yeah. How are you guys? Good, good. Good. How are you? How are you? I'm doing good. You know, it's a little, it's a little cold. I'm going to be a little wet here in Harrisonburg shortly, but you know, I'm looking forward to another, another Saturday game tomorrow afternoon. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the, uh, the time uh, for us here today. I just, we were just talking about uh, the James Madison schedule, you know, everything that they've been doing so far has been actually really good. They've only held their opponents to 42 points altogether. Um, I just got to ask you, what are you seeing from this James Madison team that is making them like really known in the Sunbelt conference? Well, you know, I think what stands out about JMU is that 
their defense has really stepped up to this challenge recently. The defensive line and parts of the secondary, particularly that corner and lineback position, had a lot of questions going into the season. You know, JNU lost one of their top linebackers, Demonte Tucker Dorsey, to the transfer portal. So you were seeing you were seeing Torres Jones and um, Jalen Walker step in in those positions, and they've done a really solid job. And the defensive line was, you know, dealing with some some COVID issues throughout the preseason, and that was really tough for JMU because they were struggling to find out what that scheme was. And once they kind of stepped out onto the field against Middle Tennessee, JMU fans really got to have a little bit of reassurance that their team is going to be just fine on that defensive end. They're stepping up to the ball. They're playing physical. They're playing aggressive. And they have the explosiveness that that team needs when you're playing a much different team when it comes to any sort of Sunbelt opponent, particularly on that offensive line. Yes, Madison, thank you for that. Um, one question I have is that obviously JMU is new to the Sunbelt Conference and they are, they left a previous conference. Could you give some more information on you know what that what conference this team did come from and how, how does this change things? How does this change getting new new opponents? Does it provide a learning opportunity for this team or what? Well, so JMU came from the Colonial Athletic Association. So that is, it was a long time FCS conference and it has Delaware, William and Mary. It used to have ODU, uh, Richmond is a football affiliate there. And so not necessarily these big name teams, you know, like Ab State, Texas State, these Sunbelt schools that have these strong reputations in the FBS. And so that was part of the reason why for the football program, this move was so attractive last year was being able to step up and play heightened level of competition because for a lot of fans, the most exciting game of the season was in playoffs when JMU was playing North Dakota State. That was usually the most exciting game and the most intense game because typically JMU was going in and dominating by anywhere from 20 to 40 points per game, even in conference play. So the move was a natural progression in regards to how JMU was developing as a program. Um, but I will, I will say, like, with how the realignment panned out, you know, a lot of fans still have a better taste in their mouth with the CIA because of the postseason ban that was scored for all JMU sports except football. So every other sport in the conference, on the, in JMU, excuse me, didn't get the opportunity to play in conference tournaments. Um, but because the CIA football organization was separate from the actual conference itself, the football team did get the opportunity to play. So uh, there's, I guess that's the shortened version of um, <laughs> where Daniels come from and how they've gotten here. But I mean, at least from my perspective and seeing both sides, I had the, co- the opportunity to cover the last season in the CIA for JNU. I mean, it's a world of difference in every imaginable way possible. I, I love the atmosphere. I love the fan bases that the Sunbelt has brought on. I can tell that everybody cares about college football and college athletics here. And it's the passion that people have that just makes it so much more enjoyable for me to be able to cover. Hey, Madison, appreciate you coming on. Um, just to talk about last week's game against App State, um, a very impressive win. Obviously, came out 28-3 to to start the game. Um, I was just wondering what you thought kind of clicked or what changed to really get um, get JMU back in this game. And is there something that can happen to prevent from that from happening? Because obviously, you don't want to come every week trying to start 28-3. to um, So is there anything you noticed on that uh, on the field? Well, so one of the things that I noticed, at least watching the game in the first half, is JMU almost looked tense. I I feel like that's the best way I can describe it. They were playing a little tense. They were making mistakes that 
you don't typically see out of that team. And in the second half, I mean, head coach Kurt Sinetti put it simply, they just had fun. Uh, he was turning around to them uh, on the sideline and asking, are you guys having fun? Like, let's just play and have fun, guys. And you could see the relaxation and just the release that they had. They were playing free and open, and they were focusing on details. And, I mean, at that point, they were so within themselves that it made it so much harder for App State to kind of adjust to that almost. And so, I mean, I told people it really was a tale of two halves in regards to the type of football that was played because going into halftime, everything that could have gone wrong for JNU was going wrong. But on the flip side, everything that was going right for App State in that first half suddenly wasn't working anymore in that second half. And so, I mean, to me, it really was just the players relaxing and enjoying the atmosphere that they were in um, was really that difference maker to be able to make that massive comeback happen. Yeah, Madison, absolutely. So uh, there's one more question I wanted to ask you, and it's specifically about this game. You know, Texas State has is coming off, you know, a big win, you know, it's going uh, 34 to zero. And I got to ask you, you know, since James Madison is, in, is on this, you know, on this run where they're possibly unstoppable in the conference, do you think that there could be, you know, do you think like what do you like? I want to know what's your prediction. I know you're probably going to say James Madison is going to win it, but do you think this is going to be like <laughs> an offensive, you know, game? Do you think it's going to be mostly defense? Like, what do you what do you think you're going to expect out of Texas State versus uh, James Madison? Well, you know, it's interesting because. I've, I've said this multiple times across every game, not just this particular game, but the day before, I really don't know what to expect. I don't necessarily know what I'm kind of expecting JMU to see. I know JMU is going to play the run game, particularly if Hurricane Ian makes a lot of rain happen in the next 24 hours. I, I would not be shocked if JMU had a little bit more of a run game involved. However, I do kind of see it being a little bit more of a back and forth on the defensive side. I can see both teams getting really, really big defensive plays because honestly, both defenses on Texas State and JMU have a lot of things that the other might not have seen just yet so far this season. We're only five weeks into the season out of an 11, an 11 week college football year. So, I mean, there are a lot of things that both teams are still kind of demonstrating for the first time. And, I, I really don't couldn't tell you what exactly is going to happen. I think for JMU at this point, the best thing that they could do to put themselves in position to win is to put that victory of upstate behind them and solely focus on Texas State. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is all the time we have for you today. Madison, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You have a great rest of your day and have a great weekend. Enjoy your James Madison Saturday. Thank you guys so much for having me on. This was great. Awesome. Thank you so much. So that was Madison Rissick from James Madison newspaper article for the sport for James Madison sports. So that will be it for the Bobcat and Rattler side. Unfortunately, Rattlers will have their bye week this week, but next week they will be taking on Samuel Clemens in their first district game. But that will be another time for another day. Now we're going to dig right in to the NFL. And guys, there was one particular game last night that I think the world was talking about last night. And that was the Miami Dolphins and the Cincinnati Bengals last night in the second in the second quarter with 543 remaining in uh, the half. Tua Tugavailoa 
was uh, got sacked, but it wasn't the sack that I think a lot of uh, people would expect. He got knocked on his back on the back of his head. He was he was clearly concussed because his fingers were all curled up inside. And it was it was it was one of those scary injuries where you hope and pray that it was not a career threatening injury because we have seen injuries where that if you know, if it's really bad to the point where, you know, it can kind of you kind of mess up, you know, your brain, it can mess up your head. But guys, I wanted to uh, Justin, I'll throw it to you first, you know, to I mean, first of all, this Miami team. On a roll, they were you know three you know three and zero until the loss against Cincinnati last night. But do you think that Tua being out? I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to be out. Do you think it's going to be you know a reset button for the Miami Dolphins team, or do you think the momentum will kind of you know slow down a little bit? I think it's going to be a huge change to what they expected this year. You know, obviously in the offseason, they acquired Tyree Kill and a bunch of other receivers and, and, and individuals on this team to work with Tua. And with Tua gone, I mean, this raises the eyebrows of a lot of NFL fans. We noticed in their last matchup, we noticed Tua fall down to the ground in a previous game, and we thought, oh, that was a little weird. He seemed to stumble. People were saying, oh, that's just a back injury. He was cleared. He was cleared by medical staff. And then we see him in this game take a very hard fall against that Bengals defense, and look what happens. You see a player getting stretched out on the floor. I mm -hmm. mean, they're taking a, they take a stretch route on the field and get yeah. him off the field, and you just have to think. It's like, you know, what was the medical staff considering? After a player, a huge star player like this has a concussion, if it was any other league, I promise you they would sit him down and bench him oh, for yeah. four days. If this is yeah. the NBA, you know, LeBron would be sitting down for three <laughs> weeks um, <laughs> with an ankle uh, sprain. I don't know. But thing is, is this. Tua is a huge part of this team. And mm -hmm. without him without him there, the AFC East is going to look really, really different. The Bills are going to take that lead in that yeah. spot. They're going to run with it. Josh Allen's not going to give that up. And then kill Josh until Josh Allen, Josh Allen has a concussion, I don't see any change to that. Yeah, I, he shouldn't have been playing to begin with. Yeah, I agree. If, if you saw that video of him stumbling after that sack last Sunday, there's, there's no reason he should have been playing. But I didn't really think the Dolphins were real anyway even with two <laughs> I, Teddy so B, you didn't so you didn't have faith in the Dolphins no yet. I did not I, I think it was a good start but I don't think they were going to be anything special anyway okay but Teddy Bridgewater is not a bad backup oh no he's he's a very good backup and I think he can still lead them to seven or eight wins and they can sneak into the playoffs but you are right about the AFC East it's gone it's over with the Bills are taking that yeah I agree with you I, I think this Dolphins team has kind of yet to prove themselves like sure they're three and one but like this is just all hype from Tyreek Hill kind of joining the offseason um Tua it kind of has been getting a lot of hate in the past few years for not being like the, the number two quarterback in his draft class so um really this was his time to prove himself and obviously we hope he gets better but I was able to read up on it and that is like a the thing with his fingers was a neurological res response to getting head yeah. trauma to the back of the head so that is clearly evident that it was brain a brain injury um good thing is I, I saw something last night that he uh is moving his extremities so he's able to move his limbs and stuff um, which is a good thing you like to see um obviously I think he should be out and the NFL is performing an investigation on this whether or not they did enough to um confirm that he even had a concussion before the game as they should um, yeah, they should yeah. Mike McDaniels had said that there is a specialist on the team who goes around like checking up on people's brain health and stuff like that so I mean if they have nothing to hide they have nothing to hide but um I think obviously Tua's got to 
really take a break and um, get ready for later on in the season if he can. Yeah, with Tua gone, I mean, you talk about Terry Bridgewater. Terry Bridgewater did come in that game and, you know, was 14 for 23, 14 uh, receptions thrown by him. And uh, that was a 56, I'm sorry about that, 60% completion rate. And he had 193 yards. Um, You know, Terry Bridgewater does have experience. As you mentioned, he did play for the Broncos. And this this player is going to bring a lot to this team. uh, But I don't know if it'll be able to field the fill the shoes that Tua left so mm-hmm. unfortunately I AFC mean, East hey look at them bills I don't know like I don't know, I, I, I don't to, know. To a, look this is God the year of comeback stories Tua. for backup quarterbacks so we talk about Cooper Rush right now you know doing great things he's two and one I mean he's two and oh with his career so far and for the Cowboys so maybe I, I just don't think there's much drop off drop off between Teddy Bridgewater and Tua at this point in their career, I think Tua, of course, he would be better. He would be, but, but I don't think there's much drop off at this point. If you look, well, if you look at both Tua and you know Teddy Bridgewater's careers, yeah. keep in mind Teddy Bridgewater was a backup to Drew Brees a couple of years ago, and the dude went five and zero. When no Drew losses. Brees, and no losses. Wow. When he got when you know Drew Brees injured his thumb. So that's Drew Brees, you got to fill Drew Brees' shoes. That's exactly. a whole bigger, that's what I'm saying. That's like, a whole bigger pair Teddy, of shoes. Teddy, you can have worse backups than Teddy Bridgewater. So I think the Dolphins are going to be fine. And I think one, they're still in the same trajectory. And at one point, Teddy Bridgewater was a starting quarterback at one point in his career. You know, you know, being drafted, you know, in the first round. In fact, he was the very last pick of the first round of the first round. And, you know, got drafted out of Louisville. But he honestly, he's been one of the quarterbacks that have been consistent, but hasn't been putting up like large numbers yeah. like, you know, all other you know showtime quarterbacks that we've been seeing over the years. So, you know, but like I said, you know, this Miami team is is uh, is, is trying. I really think that, you know, Teddy B could possibly change the program, even though, you know, Tua being out can can really, you know, change, you know, change the complexion of uh, of the game. Yes, 100%. And it's like we noticed that uh, quarterbacks are starting to fall left and right. We've seen Dak Prescott. He's out of the situation. Cooper Rush standing up. Um, Brian Foyer is stepping up for, I can't remember exactly what team that was. Um, that is, I'm sorry. The Patriots? Yeah, the Patriots. Yeah, the Patriots. Why did it slip yeah. my mind? Gets, you know, Mac Jones is out now. So you're starting to see a lot of quarterbacks falling out of that position. Dak Prescott got injured early on. You see Cooper Rush come in. You have, you know, like we talk about Brian Foyer coming in for Mac Jones. Mac yeah, Jones is injured. And then now two is injured. So it's starting to be very interesting. We're starting to see these new quarterbacks getting these positions in. And it's it's kind of exciting. I love a Kurt Warner type season, uh, you know, quarterback coming in, uh, no one expecting him to do good and doing great things. And we can expect to see that from Terry Bridgewater and from Brian Foyer on the Patriots. But guys, I want to know, what is what is one game that you're excited for this Sunday? Oh, man, there is... T- there is one game that I am interested in seeing, and that is the Pittsburghs. My Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the New York Jets. We are at home this weekend. And guys, to me, this is going to be the make or break, the make or break game for Mitchell Trubisky because I'm already on the Kenny Pickett bandwagon already. I'm already on it. You know, this offense is just not moving enough, you know, and, you know, Najee Harris is you know doing all he could do. You know, Deontay Johnson and being the now the number one receiver, you know, George Pickens, a nice addition to this uh, Steelers offensive group. But without T.J. Watt being on that defensive line, I mean, it's it's a mystery for this Pittsburgh Steelers team. But I th- honestly think, you know, their offense needs more improvement. But I'm you know, I hope Kenny Pickett, if he does get his shot, you know, can really show us, you know, what he's made of. I'm going to go with the Ravens and the Bills. Ooh, I like that We're one. talking about two of the best quarterbacks in the league. It's still crazy to me how Lamar Jackson didn't get paid this offseason, but they're going to have to bring out the Brinks truck because he's getting paid more now now that they was being stingy. But I think this is going to be a great game. 
another good game, I think, is going to be that Chiefs-Buccaneers game. Um, Tom Brady is yet to kind of shake that funk off for the offseason. Uh, he's still trying to get his feeding right. Um, but I, I think this is a real make-or-break game for that that Buccaneers team. Like you got you got to you got to win a game, and you got to win against a good team to really sh- show that you can get to the Super Bowl if you're capable of getting to the Super Bowl. I mean, I think we all know that Patrick Mahomes is capable of leading a team. Tom Brady is, but does do they have a team around them? And that and that's a really big question. So. I look for one of these teams to just kind of like show their dominance. And I think that might be the Chiefs this weekend. Yeah, I think the Chiefs, you know, they have an opportunity. We've seen Mahomes and 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 Tom Brady go back and forth. But the game I'm excited for is the Denver Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders are 0-3 Raider right Nation. now. Yeah, Raider Nation has a lot to prove here. They're 0-3 uh, on the season so far. And I would love to see Russell Wilson have an embarrassing game. He's upset my Texans now um, <laughs> previously. So I would love to see him fall out of that matchup and see the Raiders get their first win. Yeah, absolutely. So there's our predictions for our plethora. But before we get out of here, we've been having a little running trend going on here in Bob, on Bobcat Radio. Justin, I'm going to now throw it to you for the weather. Yes, your trusty, dusty weatherman is here, Justin <laughs> Brown. And I have the Weather Channel app on trusty my phone. Dusty. And currently, I'm doing great this this week. I'm, my predictions were correct. There was no rain. Um, but I will tell you one thing I was wrong about. It's going to be pretty low in the mornings. If you feel around 7 to 10 a.m., you're going to have temperatures between the high 50s and the mid 60s. But expect the highs to be about the same, 91, 90, 89, and 88 for the rest of the weekend. So be excited for that. Um, there will be some partly cl- there will be partly cloudy for Saturday and Sunday, so bring an umbrella just in case if you plan on doing anything outdoors. But yeah, it looks like a good weekend for some sports. Yeah, man, another good weekend for some sports. But thank you guys for t- uh, joining in to us for Bobcat Radio this Friday. Enjoy your Texas State festivities for sports, and enjoy your football set your college football Saturday and your NFL Sunday. I'm your host Kobe Jackson. With me on the boards, Justin Brown, my co-host Jason Collins, and JP Flanagan. Ha- you guys have a great. Friday. Friday. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the beautiful sun. Now let's get you back to the other side of radio on KTSW 89.9.